Sean Carter Villas, Capital FM. We are on Saturday Music and Sport and proud to have an exclusive for Berber Kramer, who's here, an international triathlete who lives in Nairobi. Uh, thank you so much for joining us in the studio. Uh, first of all, uh, congratulations. You were in Europe uh, last weekend. Uh, how did that go for you? And just tell us about the race. Thanks so much. Yeah, so that was the European Championship for Ironman racing. Um, and I was third in my age group, fourth woman overall, if we're excluding the pros because I'm not a professional triathlete. Um, it was a great day of racing, really nice weather, um, smooth roads, um, a great crowd, uh, a flat run course. Um, and so that makes the marathon a little easier. But it was a great day of racing and I'm really happy with my results. All right. For those that don't know about Ironman, it's a 3.8 kilometer swim, 180 kilometer cycle and then a full marathon after that a 42 kilometer run. Just tell us more about that. Um, so this is uh, all done in one go, those distances, one day. Um, it takes the average man around 12 hours, um, the average woman around 14 hours. Um, I did it in 10 hours, 7 minutes. Um, so it's, 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 it requires a lot of training, discipline, um, being in control of your emotions, um, being able to push through some of the hard moments that you might feel when you're getting towards the end of the ride or towards the end of the run. It can get pretty tough. Um, but it's, it's a really fun sport. Um, I love the diversity and the training that you have when you're doing swimming, biking and running. It is a very individual sport, uh, but how, how do you keep it up in terms of your training, in terms of, you know, what, what you're doing to keep this up? So, yeah, you race individually, but it's not really an individual effort. Um, <laughs> I have sort of, you know, um, a lot of people in the Kenyan cycling community and the triathlon community that I interact with. Um, riding with other people. Um, my partner is very supportive. And so we, in a way, do this together. It's it's me who has to put in the effort on race day. But I definitely wouldn't say that it's an individual effort. Um, I also have a swim coach and I have somebody who looks at my training plan, making sure that I'm not getting overtrained, but that I'm getting the right amount of training in um, that prepares me for these types of races. So it's very much a, a team effort. <laughs> yeah, you were mentioning your partner, Larry. Uh, he's pretty instrumental in terms of, you know, uh, your training, uh, you know, and everything behind the scenes. Yeah, so so he's not my coach, but mm. he definitely helps me being able to balance work with training um, and, and travel. Um, when something is wrong with the bike, um, I might not always know how to fix it. Um, he's always there to help me set things up. Um, he does a lot of the research into in terms of what are the latest innovations uh, in, in bike um, equipment uh, that I could use to help me get just a little bit faster. So for instance, this race last Sunday, um, I was riding for the first time with a disc wheel and he really helped me pick the right disc wheel for my bike. Um, so it's really nice being able to do this together. And he's a triathlete himself as well. Um, and so then when we, for instance, um, go swimming, I can after that jump on the bike and do my bike training, whereas he drives back home with sort of the morning clothes <laughs> and the swim tools and all that. Um, so it definitely makes life easier to being able to balance uh, all this. 
You've been in Kenya for the last uh, couple of years. Uh, you know, you've been based in uh, many other places, uh, you know, North America. You've raced in Europe and things like that. What are the unique challenges of, uh, for example, uh, cycling in Nairobi? You know, the training that goes on. Uh, we can see our unique uh, traffic and uh, road challenges. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult riding in Nairobi itself. Um, sometimes it feels a little bit like you're putting your life at risk um, for the obvious reasons. Matatus that are just swirling in front of you and then coming to a complete stop um, without notice because they have to drop off passengers. Bodas that are going in the wrong direction. Um, and it's always chaos. And especially when it's raining, I just, I just rather not be on the roads. But then at the same time, having been around for a few years now, I kind of have started being able to read traffic and knowing when those bodas and matatus are going to swirl over. And there's, of course, the sort of nuisances still. For instance, I think a lot of drivers don't realize that cyclists just can go at a normal speed over speed bumps, that they don't have to slow down for speed bumps. Yet a car will make every possible effort to pass me five meters in front of the speed bump and then slam their brakes, which means that I have to <laughs> slam my brakes in order not to hit into that car. So there's those things. But then once you go out of Nairobi, the roads clear up and it actually is really nice riding. For instance, I did a gorgeous ride this morning through the tea plantations and I had just such a nice time um, because it's it's calm um, a Saturday early morning. Nobody's out there <laughs> in Limuru driving. So um, yeah, then you can really enjoy the scenery. And then also cycling in Nairobi, it's at elevation. And so it's actually pretty good training that when I go back to sea level for a race, I have a little extra boost from that elevation. There's also this unique uh, phenomenon in Nairobi uh, on the roads as well, rumble strips. Uh, those are <laughs> Horrific for bicycles. <laughs> they are terrible. I have lost so many bottles on them. And every month we have to tighten all the screws on the bike because they just rattle everything loose. Um, yeah, the rumble strips are really <laughs> the worst. Um, I call them now core training because you really have to engage your core and then jump them. So I try and jump them with the bike, kind of make a little hoop over the, the rumble strips. But you can't always do it, especially when they're going uphill and you don't have that speed to jump over them. Uh, yeah, they, they are pretty notorious. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about Hawaii Ironman, of course, the World Championships uh, that's coming up in October. Uh, we'll find out all about that and also uh, what her future plans are. Beba Kramer is in the studio with us. Uh, this is Saturday Music and Sport. Grab a drink, a snack, and get buckled up for all the exciting action. It's the Saturday Music and Sports Show. So Sean Carter-Villas, uh, Capital FM, we are with Berba Kramer here in the studio on Saturday Music and Sport. Uh, Berba, congratulations. Uh, you qualified for Kona, uh, the Hawaii Ironman. That's the World Championships for Ironman uh, Triathlon. Uh, just tell us, first of all, how you qualified. Last year in November, um, I did Ironman Israel um, and I was second woman overall, which was good enough to punch the ticket to Kona. Um, so really exciting. Um, I had been trying to qualify for a few times, um, but finally in Israel, everything went well in the race. I was just really able to race my own race, do what I do best and uh, yeah, get that qualifying time. 
Now, a unique situation for you. You're in Nairobi and it's our winter and Kona gets really, really hot in Hawaii. Uh, you know, temperatures approaching 40 degrees centigrade. Um, what, what are you doing now to prepare for that? So I try doing my workouts as much as possible in the middle of the day. Um, and whenever possible, I'll do an indoor workout, say on a treadmill or on a turbo trainer, just indoor to make sure that I get some workouts in during the heat. And then I'm also really lucky that for work, I need to be in Washington, D.C., where it's currently summer and very hot. <laughs> so I need to be there in two weeks. And I decided to extend that trip a bit and really make a, make turn it into a sort of heat acclimation training camp um so I'm, I'm trying to do that and and perhaps i'll go in the preparation for kona um closer to the race i might go down to the coast to mombasa or kilifi a few times as well for uh heat <laughs> training sessions from your point of view um you know like everybody else uh, we have to work as well uh, how, how do you fit your training how do you balance your work and your training so it's not easy always. Um, I'm doing about 20 hours of training in a week. And then I have a job that is 40 to 50 hours of work a week. So I just try and be very mindful and efficient with my time. Um, being clever about the sessions that I do during the week. For instance, shorter sessions, but higher intensity with, say, intervals where you go really all out um, those sessions can typically be shorter and still give you the same amount of training stress as a longer ride and then the longer workouts i do on the weekends um, so that's one way i also combine commuting with workouts so i might run to work or i might run back from work i might ride to work um, take a shower there and then um, do an easy ride back home at the end of the day. Also save some time um, zooming by the traffic jam in Nairobi because I'm on my bike. Um, so commuting in that way gets, you know, doesn't take up too much time in the day. So being efficient um, about how I manage time. And then I'm lucky that my partner, Larry, he's very supportive and um, he really helps kind of moving things around my training schedule. Um, you have to be very efficient with your training as well uh, because you've got three different sports that you're preparing for, swim, bike, run. Um, how do you uh, separate that and tell us about your coach? Um, so I do about four uh, cycling sessions in a week, um, three to four swim sessions and then four to five runs in any given week. Um, I have a coach um, who's based in the U.S., um, it's all done online. There's software that we use to keep track of my training. It's called Training Peaks. And it just keeps um, numbers, um, provides charts that tell us what my form is at any given point in time, what my total training stress is, how fit I am, um, which sports um, I'm not building enough fitness or which ports I'm doing too much and building up too fast. So it's keeping kind of an, it's helping us keep an eye on that. Um, but my coach helps me plan all my training. She plans in the sessions and I'll work with her saying, oh, I'm traveling then or I'm feeling strong. I feel I can do more um, because the numbers are only one piece of the story. A lot of it is also about how you feel. Um, but so in that way, we organize the training. All right. So you got uh, Hawaii. Uh, you've got uh, your other races. How how do you plan your races? You know, it takes a lot out of your body. How how do you plan your races? 
So usually um, uh, towards a key race, um, say um, uh, a B, we we, we call races A races, B races, or C races. C races are just for practice, and I don't organize training around them. They are typically just just a training session. And so some of the road races that I might be doing in Nairobi or really, or in Kenya are really just C races. Um, I see them just as a really good training session. Then I have B races, for instance, um, the race that I just did in Frankfurt was a B race. It was just a really important training session in which I wanted to do well. Um, it was a race where I wanted to perform and really see it as sort of a, a rehearsal for the big race that I'm having this year in Kona World Champs. Um, and so the way that we work towards that type of race and also the way we're going to work towards Kona is to build in blocks. So typically I'll do three weeks of building up um, both in terms of intensity and in terms of the duration at which I'm working out. Um, and then there will be a recovery week um, in which I'll do lighter workouts, maybe shorter um, workouts um, with a little bit less intensity to let the body recover from that. And then there's a next block of, again, three weeks built and one week recover all the way up until, say, two weeks before the race. That's when you're typically peaking, um, when you're really at the max of your fitness. Um, and then that's the final big um, training sessions, um, still some really hard efforts um, during the week, um, practicing race pace. And then the week before a race is what we call the taper. And so that's always an interesting week because then you have all this energy in your body, but you have to conserve it for race day. And you do some lighter workouts, some pickups here and there, getting a feel of what that race pace will be like on race day, um, but really, really low intensity so that you're really having all that extra energy to get out on race day itself. Then usually the week after a race is a transition time. Um, so it will be um, easier workouts, maybe just some light swimming, a lot of stretching, a lot of mobility work because those muscles are kind of tight from a big race. Um, and I'm, I'm a person, I, I typically recover pretty well. So I kind of a week after a race, I can start picking up my normal train again. Again, So this coming week, um, I'm going to start building towards the next block again. Finally, you're seen as an inspiration locally uh, for a lot of women. Uh, you are just incredible in the local bike races, you know, finishing even uh, amongst the top 15 or sometimes even the top 10 overall, uh, you know, amongst the men as well. Uh, it's it's incredible what you're doing uh, nationally as well. Thank you. Yeah, so um, sometimes or at some point I heard that some guys don't sign up for races if they know that I'm coming. <laughs> and that kind of... I, it felt like I was stabbed when I heard that. That's absolutely not what I would want to happen. Mm. Um, and I've given that quite a bit of thought. The girls find it amazing when I end up in the top 10. And I really hope to be that inspiration. I also hope that guys start thinking different about women in cycling and that they don't see them as the ladies who don't have strength, but actually as forceful women who can be a serious source of competition. And um, I think when I'm passing a guy, when I'm stronger, 
then that guy should just see me as a competitor, as a as a strong participant, instead of you know it being embarrassing that you get passed by a lady. Um, I really think I really hope that I change some mindsets that it becomes more um, normal for women to be strong in cycling as well. Um, that you know women can achieve the same. Uh, uh, speeds as men and that women can end up in the top 10 and that also maybe you know that results in equal price money for women and men because I think that that is important to get more girls and women attracted to the sport. Just quickly uh, tell us about your local sponsor uh, you've got Zuzu Bike Shop and also Mileade. Uh, just tell us about them. Zuzu Bike Shop um, is a bike shop in Gigiri, um, and I think he's doing great work in terms of organizing group rides, um, getting beginner cyclists into the sport, familiarizing them with what's needed. Um, so it's a great entry point if people are interested. Um, he's doing weekday rides on Wednesdays. Fridays typically off-road, Sundays on the road. Um, And I think he's just doing great work mobilizing the cycling community. Um, Every person basically knows him in the the community, so that's great. Um, And then Mile 8 is um, a team, a triathlon club. It's a group of people who are passionate about triathlon um, and who want to create opportunities for um, other people who might not have the chances, the opportunities that we have to still empower them in the sport. And one of the things that we're doing is working with an initiative called She Can Try. What She Can Try is aiming to do is take four girls from Kibera, give them the chance to train for uh, Ironman Rwanda. Um, and this is this is I think it's an incredible initiative. When I heard about it, I said we as Mile Eight want to support this initiative um, because these are girls that might not know how to swim, that definitely don't have opportunities to get on a bike and ride in their neighborhood. Um, but they we, we have now um, worked with them last uh, week. There were tryouts. Four girls were selected. And they are going to do uh, a lot of sessions, a lot of training on learning how to swim, learning how to bike. Running is not a problem here in Kenya. They they know how to do that. Um, but they're going to do a training camp for a month in Mombasa um, and really building towards next year's Ironman in Rwanda and completing uh, that event. So I'm really excited about that. And that's the type of initiative that MyLate is supporting. And if you don't know, you're defending your title. Are you competing again in Ironman Rwanda? Yes, I am. Um, but because I'm training for World Championship, um, we have to, you know, we can't really work towards this race. So I won't appear at the starting line in top form. But I think it's so exciting that there's an Ironman in Rwanda that so many international competitors are coming to East Africa. I wished we had an Ironman in Kenya. Um, unfortunately, we don't have at this stage. Um, but I'm so uh, excited about that this race is happening in East Africa. I definitely want to be there, defend my title as, as good as I can. But of course, keeping sort of the eyes on the bigger prize, which is world champs. We're so proud of you. Uh, please make sure you return here. Uh, you know, so proud to have you here at Capital FM. Uh, Berber Kramer, the international triathlete, uh, thank you so much for joining us on Capital FM. Thank you for having me. And Saturday Music and Sport continues in just a moment. 
In sports, every inch matters. Saturday Music and Sports. We play to win the game.